again listeners and welcome to another episode of the just checking in podcast this podcast as always is brought to you by vent a place where everyone but especially men and boys can open up about the mental health issues break down stigmas and start conversations i'm your host freddie cocker and i'm the founder and editor-in-chief of vent as you may know by now each pod i check in with a very special guest we have an answer about all things mental health as well as anything and everything else they are passionate about if it helps that person with their mental health we'll discuss it My special guest for this episode, listeners, is Brady Frost. Brady is another massive Huddersfield Town fan and, like Andy Kay, someone I shared a guest appearance with on the Andy Takes That Chance podcast, which he is actively involved in. Brady is AHTTC's writer and has also recently taken on the mantle of doing a few podcast episodes himself through some of the recent interviews he's done with people from Brighouse Town FC. The power of writing, grief and more are all on the menu for this pod. This is how our conversation went. Brady, welcome to the Just Checking In pod, mate. I've almost completed the set as far as town fans who were on that podcast I did with you. Firstly, how are you doing, mate, in this sort of crazy situation? I understand that you have been furloughed, which obviously is a is a bit of a bit of a kick in the teeth, and I imagine it's quite tough. You know, how are you managing at the moment? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Um, yeah, thanks for having me on as well. Um, yeah, I think furloughs interesting. Like you have you have your good days and your bad days. Um, I, me, I'm just trying to kind of be positive about it because you know, let's be honest. Um, this is probably the longest break I'm going to have off work in like 40 years. So <laughs> I should probably um, just try and enjoy it while I can. So yeah, it's it's good. My partner's furloughed as well. So, um, you know, we've got each other to keep ourselves company. So yeah, yeah, genuinely all right. I think there's some days where you feel, um, you know, like, oh, I kind of miss the, the routine of working. But um, I mean, luckily, as, as you know, we've got the, the town podcast and I, I get to write for it as well. So that, that's quite good for a kind of to scratch that creative itch. So, yeah, genuinely. Uh, all right. I know it's not the same for everyone, but yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm doing good. man. Excellent. And um, we've, we've got a lot to get to get uh, cracking on with and we'll talk about the writing as well. So shall we just get started? Yeah, let's let's do it. Let's start the pod, Brady, with your journey as a writer. Now, firstly, how did your love for writing begin and Huddersfield Town begin? And when did you start to develop it into a skill you can utilise it on platforms like AHTTC? So, um, well, I think I've enjoyed, regardless of what it is, doing something creative for quite a while. Um, so writing, I suppose, it was when I was a, a bit younger, really, like I was you know, into music, I still am, uh, and we'd go to gigs and I'd kind of want to, you know, write about the experience. So my first kind of um, opportunity was with this Sheffield magazine called Now Then. Um, so that was kind of like music, politics, all that. So that was good. Um, and I ended up going on to do journalism at university. So obviously got to do a lot a lot with that for my degree. So that, that was good. Um, and then I suppose for football, I've, I've, always, I've always loved football. Um, I moved, I'm not actually from Huddersfield, I'm from Essex. So I kind of moved up here when I was... Uh, I was seven or eight and um, yeah, just, I don't know. It's just with Huddersfield, it's um, my, my dad was actually an Arsenal fan. So um, I kind of supported Arsenal and will admit when I was a bit younger, but um, I think I kind of became more disillusioned with 
um, supporting a, a bigger team because obviously I couldn't go to the games, um, you know, and I wasn't really connected to the fan base, whereas I was in Huddersfield um, and I just kind of felt more connected to the club. So I suppose I'm a bit, <laughs> uh, I suppose I'm a bit late to the, to the um, bout with town, but yeah, it's kind of like the last, I'd say 10 years I've started to support town a bit more and um, yeah, just um, <laughs> seems like I joined for the, for the good bit, obviously promotion to the Premier League and stuff like that. And um I think it's really good because I get to go to the. I'm a season ticket holder, so I get to go to the games with my uh, my stepdad, and it, it's good. You know, it's it's again talking about routine, but it's something nice to to go along to. You kind of just forget about everything, and you just absorbed and watching football for for ninety minutes. And um, I think it's great. I think football's you know, obviously it gives you a topic of conversation to talk with people, but I think it is a real social sport. So. Um, yeah, I, I enjoy it. I mean, obviously, we've not had too much to shout about this season for Huddersfield, as I'm sure sure you'll know all too well, Freddie. But um, yeah, just just love it. I'm a, I'm a bit football crazy. I think my uh, I think my girlfriend uh, wishes I'd uh, talk about something else. But there we go. <laughs> I think I think my pet, my mum probably wishes that I talked a little bit um, less about Huddersfield as well. Me, my, my dad can uh, my dad can cry just at the the, the prospect of discussing the penalties, uh, which we'll come on to a bit. Um, you, I mean, from the sounds of it, there it sounded like you did the what the cardinal sin is of of changing teams. But you didn't change from the from one team had won the Champions League to another team had won the Champions League, like a lot of kids probably are age did back in the day. You you went from the top of the league to, to near the bottom of the league, so it was a bit a bit bit more of an acceptable decision, I probably imagine. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, you don't hear many people um, who go from supporting a team that went undefeated for forty nine games to uh, to a team that uh, you know is a re- regular championship struggler but um yeah it's, it's more real isn't it I think um as I'm sure you know Freddie but you know to people who aren't who don't really know much about Huddersfield it's really um connected to its community and I think that's really important to me I want a club that you know does help out the local community and <clears throat> I suppose it is a big club because obviously it's been in the Premier League but it feels like you know you know everyone you know kind of the people in the background of the club um, and you know the players and it, I think it just means so much more because it's not this big corporate machine I mean obviously it does kind of entertain with the Premier League and the big court but to me it still feels like that local club and I, I really don't think you can kind of underestimate that you know I kind of feel like when we go to go to watch the games it's you know it's just local people who are coming to watch it it's not you know tourists and um yeah, I think I think it's it's really important, and it's more real football. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? Um, you know, like obviously, I, I'm sure we'll go on to talk about it. But like when they beat Manchester United, like you know, we'll remember that for 50, 60, 70 years. You know, you just won't forget days like that. And I think you've got to, um, you know, have the lows because it makes the highs so much sweeter. I hundred percent agree, Brady. Um, our team, obviously, as you said, got promoted to the Premier League for the first time in its history in May 2017. Now, this is going to be the last bit of football nerd nerd chat we have before we move on to the writing stuff. But I mean, for me, it was probably the best day of my life. It was definitely the best day of my dad's life. Um, and I can say that despite him having four kids. So he can, you know, if he's listening to this, he probably knows that uh, he can get away with saying it. What impact did it have on you? And, and do you think it was actually the spark for you to turn your writing into something you could do on town itself as well? Yeah, I suppose I've never really thought of it like that. But I, I think you're probably right. I mean, you know, obviously I went <clears throat> I went to Wembley. Um, you know, the game wasn't the best, but um, I don't know. I just, I just... It was it was not good, um, but I just it's weird, isn't it? But like I suppose people say this in in hindsight, but 
I just felt like this was the well, you know, this was the opportunity, and I just felt like we were going to do it. I mean, um, I remember when uh, Heffler missed his penalty in the shootout, and everyone was uh, starting to think, "Oh God, this, we're not going to go up." I, I remember like, well, probably embarrassing my uh, my stepdad and my mate, but I was like, "No, come on, we're going to do this!" And like proper shouting, and um, yeah, we we did it obviously, and it, it was fantastic. I mean, I was. You know, I was buzzing. It was pure elation. Like I was hugging. I mean, you wouldn't do this now because obviously because of the virus. But you know, I was hugging randomers. It was just, it was amazing. And I suppose, yeah, the, a small club like Huddersfield going into the Premier League, it did make me think. Well, people, you know, will be more interested in it. And obviously, also, I think you know, I speak for many town fans. It was such a journey, and like I think I wanted to hear more about the story. So it was, yeah, it was. It was amazing, really. Let's talk about how you joined AHTTC. How did the opportunity come about and, and what does the role involve? Because I know you've recently been doing a lot of interviews, but you've also been hosting your own podcast as well. Yeah, so I suppose it came about, I was, you know, initially I was a fan of the podcast, um, you know, supporting Huddersfield Town, being being interested in it. And um, I think it was quite refreshing, really, because obviously for bigger clubs that stuff is kind of part and parcel but this was kind of unique because it, it was Huddersfield obviously it was team I support so I just kind of like off the blue messaged um messaged the pod just like um you know I'm a, a writer I'd be really interested in in kind of writing anything that you need or helping out in any way um and it kind of just just went from there really so I'm actually my my job um with the one I'm furloughed at the moment I'm a copywriter so I, I do that anyway um, but when I initially messaged the the podcast, I was I was in a different different job, and um, I wanted an outlet to kind of you know do something I want to do, like write something um, I want to write about, because um, I didn't really get that opportunity in my in my previous job. Um, so it just kind of went from there, and I think um, the more kind of pieces I wrote, the more Matt kind of trusted me, and then they launched the website, and obviously we could go from there, and then I think. Um, I always I'm quite quite a talkative outgoing person and I'm kind of keen to try stuff and see see if I like it see if I don't and I suppose um, they were just a bit short on uh, people one episode and Matt asked me if I wanted to fill in and um, kind of went from there and yeah I suppose it's just um, whatever opportunity comes up I think it's quite quite flexible so um, I'm kind of lucky that we can I can just kind of go and to Matt and be like oh what do you think and you know he's not really said no to anything so. So it's good. It's a nice kind of, I wouldn't say hot, it's almost like a hobby. You know, it's a nice thing to do in my spare time, really. And um, yeah, I've got really good good feedback on stuff. So, um, you know, obviously that's, that's great, great to hear. Mm. And on those podcast episodes that you've done recently with um, interviewing um, the chairman and the social media manager for Brighouse Town FC, which are a, a very local uh, non-league side, even more local than Huddersfield, if, if people can uh, realise that. Um, was it, was presenting those episodes you know, a bit out of your comfort zone and, and, and how did you manage that transition from being a purely a writer and sometime a sometime podcast guest on the regular show to hosting your own episodes? Yeah, um, it, it was difficult it wasn't because um, I suppose when I've interviewed people um, before for articles, you're recording it so you unfortunately you have to hear yourself, uh, hear your own voice. So you're kind of used to it in that sense. I think what I would say, um, and I'm sure Matt who hosts the is one of the hosts for the town podcast. We'd love to hear this. It's not as easy as you think it is. Um, I didn't kind of realise for the first one anyway that it'd be be a podcast really. Um, so 
I think there's things, you know, I had to listen to it back a bit. Um, Matt helped with the editing, but there's things that definitely improved. But I think I think that's the thing. I think if you're willing to to give stuff a go, you know, you learn from your mistakes and just kind of carry on from there. So, yeah, it, it was enjoyable. I, I think I'd, it'd be something I'd be open to in the future um, to do again and, you know, kind of do more. And I, I think I think there's opportunities to do it. Um, but, yeah, just, uh, yeah, I, ho- hopefully I'll get better the more you do it. But I'm, as I'm sure you know, Freddie, hosting your own podcast, it's, uh, it's a bit of trial and error. But the more you do it, the more, the more you get better at it, I suppose. That is pretty much spot on, I'd say, Brady, with the trial and error part, especially. Um, A big part of supporting other people's mental health, Brady, is active listening. Now, this means not just sitting there listening to someone speak, but responding to what they're taking, absorbing it and showing you're attentive to what the person is going through or just kind of speaking to you. Is this something that you've learned through the course of these interviews, maybe in your in your journalism degree? And, and has it been something that you've taken into your personal life as well with relationships you have? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, I think... um I think what I kind of like about um, certainly when I I did my degree was you have to listen to people, you know, and you have to respond to what they say. And obviously to get the interesting, the juicy bits, like, you know, the stuff people want to hear, you have to kind of listen to what they're saying and ask follow up questions. And I think what I particularly the reason I um, what I found I love in my degree was, you know, not people, everyday people have interesting stories like so many more interesting stories i mean you know i've interviewed one or two famous people nothing to brag about um but you know their stories compared to someone you just meet you know in a shop or you know someone you happen to find about in the local area the local people have so much more interesting stories because it's real life and you know everyone can relate to it um and i think yeah it's just um going on to working in relationships i think communication is so important I think I've kind of the older I've got you you learn to you know you've made mistakes you know how how you feel about things and you have to listen to people and see it from different points of view and be open I think that's really important especially for you know for everyone's mental health you've, you've got to be open you've got to say talk about how you feel and listen to people and, and give the support you can and what effect does writing have on your mental health Brady itself not just creatively but perhaps in how it's de- developed you professionally yeah I think I think it, like talking about it, it's a good creative output for me I mean certainly in my previous role I was very frustrated because um it kind of changed into something I didn't want it to be and if I'm honest with myself I was doing a lot of creative stuff that I probably shouldn't have done in that role anyway so to have that kind of taken away was very frustrating so for me you know even now even when I'm not in a particularly frustrating career um writing's really good for my mental health it feels feels good to have um an idea in your head that when you explain it to someone first time they're like what the hell are you talking about and then you you know with some support you put it out there and it goes down really well I mean that's not that particularly you know seek accolades for um for my writing it's more for me to kind of just express myself but um you know that's nice to hear and it's nice to get good feedback on it it's really important um definitely it's an it's an output it gives me something to do and I feel good about doing it and you know if one piece person reads it and likes it great if 100 people read it and like it great but for me it's just kind of having an opportunity to uh, you know do something I want to do in my spare time and you know it's just enjoyable to write and it's enjoyable to put it out there and how do you think you've grown as a writer compared to when you first started I'd, I'd like to think I'm better now um I think it, I hope so um I think it just kind of depends on 
what you're writing about. I think in, um, you know, because obviously it's related to my my jobs. Um, I think I'm better. Um, and I think what's important is you can't write about something you enjoy all the time. I mean, obviously with the with the town stuff, it's good because I can write about something I like, which is my football club. But, um, you know, career-wise, you have to talk about particularly boring things. Like, I remember one of the things I've enjoyed the most, and I kind of uh, talk to, to people about it all the time, is um, I had to write a um, 2,000-word blog about how Brexit will be affected by the scrap metal industry. Um, so it's not particularly exciting stuff, but I, th- I think there's... I think there's this, you know, a skill in in writing something that's really boring, but people, you know, but for that industry, it will be really interesting to read. So, I think I've improved. I think it's, um, you know, my 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 partner, she's um, she's really good. Um, she's kind of a good good editor. She's helped me with a lot of my recent stuff, like the Brighouse Town one, for example. And I think it's good to have that sounding board. But yeah, I think it's just kind of with writing. There's so much you could talk about, but it's kind of like, well, what do people want to hear? And try and cut out, you know, as much as you can because it's just about that that core story. Um, so I think I've improved. I think you can. I can still improve. There's a long way to go, but it's like um, it's like a muscle. You know, you've got to to get better at it. You've got to train it more. You've got to write more and write about different stuff. So you you have more experience and become a more rounded writer, really. And how do you plan to develop these skills going forward? You know, do you see do you see yourself doing perhaps more writing or perhaps using AHTTC or, or creating your own blog to develop other skills that can help you not just professionally, but perhaps also in your personal life as well? Well, I'd, I'd love to, yeah, I, I suppose I've not really thought about it in great detail. I, I'd love to continue writing for any takes that chance. Um, I've, I've really enjoyed that. And, you know, that's got it's been good to put like a different spin on football because obviously we wrote the piece about um, Peter O'Toole, who's the illustrator and worked with Huddersfield Town. So that's that's been really enjoyable. Um, I think I'd love to continue with that. In terms of a career, I, I suppose we'll just, just see where it goes. But, you know, for me, I want to, um, in terms of a career, I just want to, it doesn't matter necessarily what I do, whether that's in writing or not. I kind of just want to look back and be like, well, do you know what? I, I gave... Uh, I gave this a good go. I enjoyed this, and um, you know, I I was a nice person to work with, and you know, people enjoyed working with me. And um, I think it's more about working with a with a team, really working with a team I enjoy, and we kind of all in it together. So I suppose we'll see. But you know, I can't. I'd love to um, carry on with any takes that chance, and I suppose I'd love to help it grow. And you know, um, we'll just see where it goes. I mean, I'm I'm only 25, so. Uh, got a long long time to figure out what I want to do long term and just finally Brady um for anyone who's considering kind of getting into writing or listening to this pod and and doesn't know where to start what advice would you give them and also has this writing journey especially especially around town um led to any sort of local celeb maybe uh, instances or or at games <laughs> um well unfortunately no for the second question nothing too exciting um but you know we we do get to chat to the club. Oh, actually, I do have a story, um, just very quickly. But I um, I went. I managed to go into the press box for one of the one of the games, and um, I got introduced to the Huddersfield Town media guy. So I'd never met him before. This guy called Dave, and uh, I'm being introduced to him, and I'm like, "Oh, hi, nice to meet you. My name's Brady." And he goes, "Yeah, I know who you are." And I was like, sorry. And he's like, oh, yeah, I know who you are. Um, you interviewed so-and-so, didn't you? 
And um, what was really weird was the people he said, I hadn't even, um, that hadn't even gone live as an article. So we already knew someone I'd spoken to. So it was a bit like, oh, nice <laughs> to meet you too. Um, but he was really nice. But yeah, that was that was a bit weird. I think for anyone who can who wants to get into writing, just 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 do it. You know, find something find something you're interested in and want to know more about. I think um, you know it doesn't matter if for you or anyone else. There'll be there'll be an interesting story. You know, um, you'll know someone who has an interesting story, or if there's a particular thing you want to write about, you know, just start your own blog. It's so easy to start your own blog or website now, um, and there'll, there'll be an audience, and you know, there'll be people who are interested there, and just have a go. I think. I think I will like. Obviously, this kind of puts my degree into into the uh, bin. But anyone can write. You know, anyone can write a good article. I hundred percent believe that. I think it's just people who do it on a regular basis, and that's you know th- that's why they have careers. You know, they're able to do it now and again. Um, but yeah, just just give it a go. You know, what have you got to lose? You know, it's it's something you'll enjoy. I certainly enjoy. You know talking to people, interviewing them, getting a quote, then taking it back and thinking about, you know, how can I make this story? What's interesting? What's not? Um, so, you know, just, just give it a go. What have you got to lose? I enjoy it. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. There's loads of, you know, um, volunteer magazines you can write for out there. So yeah, just, just do a bit of research, find out when you want to talk about and just, just go for it. We talked about Brady the writer. Now I want to go a bit deeper and talk about your own journey, Brady. So firstly, just tell me a bit about your early life, your teenage years, and, and whether looking back, were there any early mental health experiences you can pinpoint? You know, who's the Brady we meet here? Um, so yeah, so I suppose, you know, when I, when I was younger, um, my parents split up when I was about seven. Um, and we moved to Huddersfield because that's where my mum's originally from. Um, I think, I'm sure we'll, we'll kind of go on to talk about it, but... Um, my my father passed away when I was was fifteen, and I think kind of my mental health just went a bit. Um, I was suffering from poor mental health really from from there. Um, so that's kind of the issue. I think as a kid as well, um, I was quite a big kid. Um, you know, I I'm ginger. I have glasses. I had braces. Um, had a hearing aid. No, um, that was a joke. I just wanted the full set. Um, so I think that's Alan Carr joke. Isn't yeah, it? <laughs> it is an Alan Carr joke, mate. I, I love it. I got to use it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, I think I found it tough. You know, I, I um, and I think that's the thing. You know, mental health for me is like a muscle. You know, you've you've got to exercise it. You've got to do things to 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 improve it. And um, yeah, I I think I was going through a really kind of rough time then, and. Um, I think it was really difficult to try and figure out what what I wanted to to do really and how I was feeling because um, yeah I, I suppose we'll go on to talk about it but um, when you when you're a kid I mean you know, like I said I was fifteen you struggle to you know you have hormones you go through puberty you struggle to understand stuff at the best of times and um, I, you know I wasn't living with my my father but um, you know that was that was difficult because obviously you have to you know grief and um, processing all these complex emotions is, is difficult no matter what age you are so I think I found it really tough and I, I think um, yeah kind of yeah went for a bit of a bad phase really. Just talking about that period when you did lose your dad to lung cancer um, Brady if you could just just tell me a bit about you know how it happened the build-up the period when he did pass and, and then the grieving process that you went through. Yeah sure so um, 
it'll be well 10 years this year um since since my dad passed away um yeah i remember so my dad um i'm sure uh you know my family's the same with this but you know we we saw it coming um my dad was a really heavy smoker um i remember as a kid you know i didn't like him smoking um i used to get really annoyed at him um even when i was a little kid because i didn't enjoy it and um i think the thing is my dad had already had cancer uh, once before so you know that was kind of difficult um but he he you know he went into remission and he was fine um but the thing the thing is it it did come back and um it was really it was really difficult i think um you know without upsetting anyone too much but i kind of remember towards the end um my dad was was kind of uh he was he was a big personality, you know. He'd he'd walk in a room and he'd want to be the center of attention. So that's probably where I get it from. Uh, but you know, he he was he was a big personality, and um, I think towards the end, he he just wasn't. He was this this frail old man, and that was that was you know really tough to take. I mean, I remember particularly towards the end, um, you know, I had to wheel him wheel him around in a, in a wheelchair because he and like help him go into this wheelchair because he couldn't. You know the cancer just affected him so badly; he was just, you know, skin and bones, really. And you know that's that was really tough, really kind of tough to to see and to to deal with. Um, but yeah, I, I think I remember going down to see him, and it was kind of like the last time. Um, and he was like determined to make it to Christmas. He was like, "I'm going to make it to Christmas." So he he knew he, knew he was he was dying. He's like, "I'm going to make it to Christmas." Um, you know, I'm going to see everyone. And this is going to be great, but he he was getting worse, and I think that last time, which is the time which was in the wheelchair, um, he he'd seen everyone, you know, he he wanted to make it to Christmas to to see everyone to see his family, but we all came to him, and I think, you know, I, I'm not I'm not a believer in you know fate or anything like that particularly, but I felt what kept him going was that he wanted to see everyone for one last time, and he got that and. You know, I think that's why, you know, he could he could pass away because you know he 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 got what he wanted before before he you know uh, before the end. So it was really it was a really tough time. It was a really tough time. Um, I think what was really hard, and I, I remember this, um, was was at school. So I think you you know, like I said, grief is difficult, and to lose lose my dad at such a young age was was really tough. Um, but yeah, I remember particularly at school, I didn't want, I didn't want anyone to know. I didn't want anyone to know because it's not their business. You know, why why should they know? They barely know me. Um, some people, apart from my close friends, obviously, who I told. But um, I remember <laughs> school dealt with it so badly. Um, so my mum told the school because obviously she had to. Um, and I remember saying like, don't tell anyone what's going on. And then I'd been off for for a bit from school, obviously. And then I remember coming back in, and they told my form t- teacher, and my form teacher wasn't wasn't the best. She told everyone in class. So can you imagine? She told these fifteen year old kids this, you know, big news to someone who was in their class. I mean, I don't blame you know, I don't blame the kids because obviously it's like, you know, this big information. But I always remember. Like I walked into, you know, I was feeling upset, you know, and I walked into form and they said they hadn't told anyone, but this form teacher had. And I remember everyone looking at me 
and I just felt awful. Um, and you know, like people were, people were obviously trying to be understanding and trying to be kind, but people were being different with me. And that's, that's the last thing I wanted. And I remember sitting down and people were like scared to talk to me and people were clearly being different. And it's like, well, I know that, you know, and it was really upset. And I think what was really tricky was, um, obviously people suffer, suffer with grief, you know, it has someone who's experienced grief, I, you know, I, I struggle to talk to people about it sometimes. But I remember people from school would be coming up to me and like, oh, I'm really sorry to hear this because obviously it's spread around school. But it'd be like people who I'd never spoken to in my life. So like some people would come up to me and be like, oh, I'm really sorry to hear about your dad. And it's like, oh, thanks. But sorry, who are you? Obviously, kids are young and they don't understand them. Obviously, I don't regret it. But it really, really frustrated me because it's like you're just trying to look like a good person. And like if that's from a genuine place and that's fair enough, but like you don't know me. So stop acting like you're this person who, you know, who cares so much because, you know, you're just trying to look good. Um, and I found it really difficult. And, um, you know, that was that was a really rough time. I was, you know, 15, 16. Um, I was going through, you know, we started drinking underage. And I think I got, you know, I got drunk a couple of times and acted out and did some stupid, stupid stuff. It was really tough, really tough. Um, I have to say my, I remember I was at this house party once and my friend Ed, one of my best friends, um, I was really upset and I was crying and um, um, he spoke to me and he's like, we, you're going to be okay, mate. We're here for you. You're going to be okay. And we kind of, um, we kind of had this like big embrace and um, I don't know, I just, it, it felt good because obviously your friend's you know, they're there feeling sometimes they have no idea what it's like because they've not experienced that. But um, that just felt good. It felt like I do have some people who are there for me. Obviously, I have my family and I can't express enough how much my mum and my stepdad and my auntie were there for me. Yeah. And it was good. But I think, you know, I I was I was not in a good way for, for, for quite a bit. And um, my mum my mum said, if you met my mum, my mum's a very determined person and um, it just wants the best for, for everyone, really. And um, she took me to grievance counselling and uh, I, I really didn't want to go. I really didn't want to go. I didn't want to talk about it. I wanted to just suppress it. And, I'm, you know, she had to drive me there and drag me there. And she was like, well, just go for one session. Just go for one session and see how you feel. And I did. And I'm so glad I did. I think it's one of the best things I've ever done. Um, in my life because it was just you know your friends and family they're there for you it's great um, but they you know they're not professional and it's tough for them because they don't know what to say and I think just to go to someone who has experience is a professional you know it it was great and um, I can't that was actually at Kirkwood Hospice so um, people from Huddersfield will know that and I, I can't I can't thank Seamus um, enough for that because he 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 was brilliant. He he helped me so much, and um, I think anyone anyone who suffers through grief, if if they can, you know, to to get counselling because it, it was fantastic. I mean, the last the last chat we had, um, you know, wasn't even about my dad. It was about um, the undertones and like teenage kicks because we both really like music. So I kind of knew from that point I didn't need to go anymore. And um, you know that. I can't express it enough that like Seamus and Kirkwood Hospice, like they, they helped me so much and I, I'm forever grateful for that. What you said there about sort of 
I guess the, the right word to, to phrase it would be tragedy posturing when people think they have a right to come up to you and even if they don't know you to offer some sort of banal platitude about your dad and, and obviously grief and like you said I think it's it's it wasn't necessarily their fault I think I would probably blame the school more for the way they handled it and obviously kids are going to be going to do whatever they can to fit in and all this sort of stuff but I think what you said there about your friend Luke um, was really really powerful um, and shows how he might have un- not understood what you were going through but he could empathize with you and he could show that he was there for you to to help and and be kind and be supportive I think for all of us Brady particularly us as men we we make our biggest mistakes well normally we make our biggest mistakes between that bracket of 15 to 20 our worlds are very small and I guess we'd all find it hard to admit we're, we're very easily influenced by the environments around us for better or worse it's off, it's also often an important and tumultuous time in our lives now you said you know you've obviously lost that father figure and but you had your, your stepdad and your mum to support you obviously you're discovering what it means to be a man in this world um what impact did, did losing your dad have on you in regards to that and and obviously when you had that grief counseling did you feel like it it had, it had changed your life or you had changed with it i think it was a combination of of a lot of stuff i think like as i kind of said the the grief counseling was um you know really important and i think it did change me um and i think when something like that happens to you i think there's kind of a couple of ways you can deal with it but for me um you know losing my dad at 15 it made me grow up i think um you know ultimately and it made me more mature because you're dealing with complex feelings and, and emotions i'd like to think i'm still silly um you know but i think it did make me feel more mature and i i did i did feel like you know i felt a bit weird um one of my aunties she passed away i think it was um like a, a year year or so after and it was it was really weird um because i felt i kind of felt numb um i was really upset because uh, i loved my um, my auntie Roz, um and my my other auntie uh, margaret she she went through a really tough time with it um but i i just i felt numb i was upset but i just didn't really know how to deal with it um but it changed me and i, I feel like i got more mature and my my stepdad anyone who knows me anyone who's met my stepdad andrew um he he has been a really important father figure for me um i think it's really difficult when your parents split up um you know especially when you're young because it's hard to understand and obviously step step parents i feel so <laughs> it's difficult for them i imagine especially when you've got um when the your other partner's got kids but you know andrew is the nicest man um i've i've ever met and he was such a big role model for me and still is um you know even even now and he he really helped me my mum really helped me i was really lucky because you know i i did lose my dad but andrew my stepdad was i still had this father figure and he was he's he was fantastic and you know i'd have chats to him and you know i love my mum and i can chat to her about stuff but sometimes you do need that you know to talk to that father figure about about stuff and andrew andrew was there for me and still is there for me um like i say i go to the i go to football with him every saturday or i did before this uh, pandemic and you know that's great and it, like we get to chat just one-on-one and um you know and moan about football and stuff like that and it doesn't even have to be a profound thing it's just um it can be about any you know anything um 
and I think I, I think I was really lucky to have someone like Andrew um, through that rocky period because I could go to him for advice. I could talk to him about stuff, and he wouldn't tell my mum about stuff. Um, so I probably dobbed him in there if he listens to this. But um, <laughs> yeah, he 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 was great, and I think he helped me. And I had that sounding board, and you know, I was really lucky. I had the support and love from my parents, and how I dealt with it. Obviously, I had the counselling, I had supportive parents, so I was really lucky. But I kind of always felt like you can't be selfish. You know, there's there's always someone who who's worse off than you. And I think that was, that's kind of still how I feel about it now. You know, obviously people might listen to this and be like, oh, that's, that's really awful. But, you know, my story, unfortunately, isn't, you know, a unique story. There's loads of people who suffer with grief, parents pass, you know, parents have illness. I, I think there's always someone, someone, you know, who's in a similar boat to you. But I don't, I think what was really important was I didn't want it to change me. I didn't want it to change how people spoke to me. I think that's what really annoyed me. Like, yes, my, my dad's my dad died, but, you know, I'm still Brady. Um, you know, I'm still this person you can have a laugh and a chat with. I don't have to suddenly, you know, um, talk about grief nonstop. And I, I think that was it, you know. And I used to, I think, like I say, even I do this now, but people are like, oh, you know, they'll if someone's not met me, they'll be like, I'll ask you about your parents and it's kind of like I'm in one of two ways like I either don't tell them about my dad because it's just like it's a bit of a conversation killer or I'll say oh yeah my um yeah uh my mum and my stepdad and they'll be like oh what about your dad it's like oh my dad passed away and they're like oh I'm really sorry to hear that and it's like yeah, yeah but you know don't worry about it it's fine or sometimes I'll be be a joke joke about it. it's like well you know what what do you have to be sorry about you know it's fine so yeah I yeah, I think, and it's just getting older and, you know, learning stuff and I still still make mistakes now. But um, yeah, I think it made me more mature. What you said there about your stepdad is, is really great, Brady. And I think if he's listening to this, I'm sure he'll, um, he'll appreciate what, all of what you said. I think we say in a lot on this pod that grief is almost more stigmatized than mental health. Is that something you would agree with from your experience? I think people struggle yeah um to a degree yeah i think it's i think it's difficult because i think people struggle with grief because it's a, it, it's the same with mental health in general though i think everyone's experience is different so people deal with it differently um and you know as we kind of some people just don't understand that i think it's um it's it's tricky because you know it's not like i was living with my 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 dad or um, you know, my mom relied on him for, you know, money, like we were this family and, you know, my dad passed away and then suddenly we can't afford to feed ourselves. It, you know, it wasn't like that. I think grief gets stigmatized because people don't know how to deal with grief, basically. Uh, same In the same way with mental health, I think we're getting better with mental health as a society and being able to talk about it and, you know, stuff like this. But I think people struggle to understand it. And I don't think it's just that. I think people it's an uncomfortable subject. So people don't like talking about it. So I think people want to dismiss it because, you know, they don't want to talk about grim stuff or they don't want to talk about things that can upset people. But I think it's, you know, the older I've gotten, I think it's really important because you can't, you have to talk about how you feel and you have to talk about these subjects that make make you uncomfortable because, you know, there's stuff in life that happens that's uncomfortable. And, you know, if you can't talk about it and you can't talk about it in 
in an open and clear way. Like you bottle that stuff up and that's, that's not good. And you act out like I did when I was a kid. And, you know, I think a grief is, is difficult and it's upset and everyone has an experience where someone passes away and, you know, it doesn't matter who that person is. It can affect anyone and it can upset anyone and how people deal with it. You know, that's, that's up to them. But I think as a society, we need to get better about it. Absolutely. Because, Every everyone dies, unfortunately, you know, and the people who were who who were left when someone in their family passes away, you know, you need to talk about it because it's traumatic. What you said there, Brady, about not wanting people to to change how they perceived you, I think, was really powerful, and and that's something that I felt a lot in the anxieties I had before I came out about my mental health. I never wanted people to sort of treat me differently. Um, probably worse on on the worse end of the spectrum, I think. Maybe it may, maybe I would have hoped it would make people nicer to me or kinder for sure. You've accomplished so much in life already and overcome this this huge, huge trauma, become the man you are now. If your dad was listening into this conversation right now, Brady, and I'm sure he is somewhere, what do you think you would say to him? Well, um, I think I'd say to him, well, well, I think there'd be a few things I'd say to him. Probably be like, why, why did you swap, stop supporting Arsenal? Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think. Um, I think there'd be a lot of things. Uh, my dad was a was a character, so I think you know um, he'd probably be trying to flirt with my girlfriend, um, despite the fact that he's you know he's way too old for her. I think I'd like to say to him, you know, I, I was a spoiled kid. He he really spoiled me. Um, so I'd like to say thanks for spoiling me, but luckily I didn't become too much of a brat. I think I think it's tricky, and I I kind of won't go into it. There was I suppose when I passed away what I found difficult was um, there were some things about my, my dad that I found out about that were didn't put him in the most positive light and I didn't really know about at the time. So that's been kind of kind of hard to deal with. I think I'd probably ask him some stuff about that. I think my dad, again, this was before I was born, my, my dad liked to drink and um, he was actually, he actually was an alcoholic and then he became a counsellor um, to help people with addiction for, for alcoholism or drug abuse or whatsoever. So I think I'd, I think I'd like to say to him, he did some bad things in life, which I've kind of found out about later, which has been, uh, you know, difficult to deal with when you idolize someone so much and you find out that they've done some not so nice things. But I think I'd say to him, you know, I hope he, hope he did his best, and you know, people, people did love him, and you know, he made mistakes. But I think um, if he knew the real gravitas of some of the stuff he did, um, not so much to me, but to to other relatives. I think he'd um, try and make amends. So I'd say to him, you know, I love you, Dad, and um, thank you for helping me be the man I am today. I think that's a really beautiful and a nuanced way to, to to take that question, Brady, and you could have taken it any way you wanted to. How do you think you'll use the experiences you've had with grief and, and, and these experiences without your dad and with your new stepdad, actually, to teach your future sons or daughters, if you choose to have them, about mental health? You know, do you think you'll perhaps cherish that time you are as a father that much more because of the loss of experience you've experienced yeah i think so obviously when you're 15 you're not thinking about having kids but i think you know i'd like i would like children someday um i'll say someday just to clarify because my girlfriend's around in the flat somewhere um (laughs) but yeah i think i think what i would my advice would be not just for my own children but for anyone is communication can be difficult but i think you've always got to talk about how you feel and i think going through grief has made me more comfortable to talk about it i know friends who've suffered through grief and it's easy to talk about and i kind of i'll always offer 
I suppose it's like my stepdad. My stepdad was always, and the same with my mum, but like my stepdad, he was always like, I'm here if you need to chat to me. It can be about anything, you know, just, just come come and chat to me. And I, I feel like that's the kind of parent I'd be, you know, whatever's happening, try not to get in your head about it. It might not be as bad as you think it is. You know, whatever it is, you can come and talk to me. And that's the same for me now. Like, even with my mates, like, I suppose... Uh, I'm sure you know this. This all toxic masculinity about oh men can't talk about the feelings and that's that's ridiculous. You're allowed to feel how you want to feel. You can talk to us about anything. You know we can have a laugh and like like we were going back to before about I'm still your same friend. I'm still the same Brady. You know yeah I'm still the same Brady. We can still you know go for a drink or go to the football or talk about music or play stupid video games till like two in the morning. We can still do that. But if you're suffering, you know talk to me. And I suppose that's what I want to do for my, my kids. Like, I'm someone you can talk to. We can we can work on it together. Or I can help you or I can point you in the right direction. And we can we can just go from there. I think what's really important, and this is kind of one of the reasons I wanted to do talk about this, is people have experiences like this every day. And I really want to stress this. There is someone you can talk to about this, no matter how you feel in it. It can be family. It can be friends. It, if you don't have those connections, there's support groups there's counseling there's there's loads of things like you are not alone and you are not these feelings might feel very unique to you but someone has experienced something similar and there is ways you can talk about that and process it and feel better you're not alone you know my my door's always open you know i'm on twitter you can always talk to me about stuff like that and you're not alone you're not alone The next topic we're going to talk about Brady and it's one that's come up on a few pods as a tool which has helped my guests with their mental health and that is exercise. Now we talk a lot about the power of exercise and how that can be harnessed to improve your mental health. How do you utilise it in your own life Brady? Um, Well I I suppose I'm I'm a bit like everyone you know I'd like to do more exercise but I think exercise for me I mean we kind of talked about it earlier but I was a I was a big kid I was I was very overweight as a kid growing up kids can be mean is all I'll say and I'm not saying that as like oh woe is me but you know I found it difficult and I think I was always I still kind of I'm like this now for me exercises uh, I kind of need to trick myself um so I mean that's why I'd always play football or five side because I'm not thinking of it as exercise I'm just thinking of it as a game a game I'm doing with friends uh unfortunately I can't really play five side anymore because my uh both my ankles are um like uh, custard creams, the biscuit ankles, so they, they snap really easily. I think it's just kind of for me, exercise makes me feel better, um, and I know it does for a lot of people. And it, you know, it can be small things, but you know, since lockdown, I've taken up um, running. Um, so me and my partner will will do like a five k run like every two days or so, and you know, it's been really good. You know, because as someone who, you know, ten years ago would would be caught dead running. I remember I. Uh, cheated at cross country because I didn't want to do it so I kind of cut like half of it but um that's been really good um before lockdown I was going to the gym like I wasn't going every day but you know like whenever I could and I think it's a real stress reliever for me because um we all have frustrating days and you know it might not even be you it could be someone who's been frustrating or a frustrating problem and I think exercise is a really good way to do that and I always say like I don't really like going to the gym. Got to be honest. Yeah, uh, I always, I, I always say the the twenty minutes after the after you've been to the gym is the reason why you go to the gym because you're like, I feel good. Um, you know, I've done this, and 
you know, I don't feel guilty. I mean, I'm not some like health buff or anything like that, but I suppose I try and exercise in the week as much as I can. So I don't really care about the weekend. And it's like, you know, I can enjoy myself at the weekend. I can have a drink. I can eat what I want. And who cares? Because I think that's how I kind of treat exercise. It's like, well, if I do this, I feel good for doing it afterwards at the weekend if I want a drink or like, you know, a couple of drinks or I want to eat Belgrave's massive session fries. I don't feel so bad about it. So exercise has been really helpful. I think, um, especially in the lockdown, it's been quite interesting. Like um, we've done all sorts. Like I've done, before lockdown, I was doing yoga, um, which I wouldn't be caught, uh, you know, if you said that to me 10 years ago, I'd be like, nah. But, um, you know, that's really helped. The run-ins helped. Obviously, I've done some some interesting YouTube workouts, like hit sessions, which has been fun. And yeah, I think it's a good way to you know certainly for me it's a good stress reliever and it's a good way to kind of blow off steam and feel good about yourself and yeah i i i'd encourage everyone to do it there's days where you don't want to do it but um if you do it you'll feel a lot better and you know what if you don't do it there's always tomorrow you know i think it's really tricky and i still do this now like beat yourself up about it if it's like oh I should have exercised today or i've not really done anything but i so what you know you can do it again tomorrow it's fine and um you know you need your, you need your breaks i think um when I first went to uni, I was walking everywhere and, you know, I've changed kind of my, my eating a bit and I, I lost a lot of weight. Like I dropped a lot of weight and it was, it was, I actually went too extreme. So I went from like 18 stone to 12 stone. I think that's, you know, obviously that was too extreme. So it's just about, for me, it's about everything in moderation, like enjoying yourself. Don't go too extreme. Just enjoy yourself. You know, you can do a bit of exercise and you can enjoy yourself, but don't exercise too much and burn yourself out and don't go too extreme and drink loads you know i think what you said there about receiving some form of abuse for for your weight back when you were in school brady is something that i i received as well when i was a little bit overweight when i was uh, in primary school what effect did that have on a your sort of self-esteem and and how when you look back on it do you keep that brady close to you you know do you use him to keep you healthy and active or or do you use him to perhaps you know help you be more emotionally receptive to other people if perhaps they might be struggling yeah i think it's a bit both i think um when i was really overweight as a kid this sounds awful and like obviously bullying's horrendous but it does toughen you up a bit uh, and i think it makes you well certainly from in my experience like I felt like I was like, okay, well, people will tease me about my weight. So do you know what? I'll be funny or like, I'll try and make people laugh or, you know, I'll, I'll try and be, just have a bit of fun and be a bit cheeky. Yeah. I, I think my, there is still that young Brady. Like I still have thoughts like that. I mean, I remember when I went to university and I lost all that weight, I used to be obsessed with my, uh, it sounds so silly to say, but obsessed with like what size clothes I was. So, you know, obviously I'd been extreme um clothes size and then I was like well I'm never gonna wear I'm never gonna wear an XL I'm not that weight anymore but it's like Brady he's six foot five like it's not it doesn't matter like who cares you know clothes are clothes and also like you're a tall bloke so you know don't worry about it so I think I still have moments like that and yeah I I still have moments like that and I suppose that does help me to exercise in a way because it's kind of like well you didn't feel good about yourself when you were this weight and that's just my my perspective you know like I don't think there's I don't think there's any ideal way and I think you should there is you know body positivity you should feel good in yourself and I find find it tricky because I've got to be honest for the first time well for these past like five years I feel good about myself I'm not super muscly or I'm not like you know 
got a six pack. I've got more of a keg, but like I feel, I feel good about myself because I know well I exercise. Do you know what I mean? And I I eat relatively well, so I feel good about myself. But and I suppose that kind of links back into the grief thing. I think um, I feel more comfortable with who I am than I ever have before, and I think that's really important. And for me exercise eating the right stuff now and again you know everything in moderation yeah I, I think that makes me feel good about myself but I realize everyone's different our final topic of conversation Brady and it's one I try and have with all my special guests which is a general natter about our mental health so firstly I know circumstances including or excluding how is your mental health at the moment mate yeah good I suppose it, it goes back to furlough um you know I have I have good days and bad days I I would say genuinely my mental health is is, is pretty good at the moment and I think that comes from you know the exercising doing stuff I'm quite an outgoing person and you know, I've chewed your ear off here, Freddie, but, um, you know, I, I like to chat and I like to be social. Luckily, obviously, me and, me and my partner are in the same same boat, so we do stuff to kind of keep each other entertained. And we went to uh, Ikea the other day for the first time, uh, in you know, since lockdown, and that, that was good. And just getting out of the house, I think it's good. I think as I've got older, I understand, I don't really think about it as my mental health, but I just think about stuff I need to do and stuff I need to do to feel better which which obviously is your mental health but like I don't like being stuck inside all day and I, I, I know people have found it really tough so I suppose that's why I've been doing you know that's initially why I took up running because you're allowed an hour out of the house and you know that made me feel better and so I, that's why I suppose I've got into that but I suppose it, I feel bad about myself when you know I'm stuck inside the house all day and I'm not doing anything when I say I'm not doing anything I mean I'm, like, I'm not doing anything productive so I, right I've not gone outside to like go get food or you know exercise and I've also not like written an article or done anything productive so I I get quite frustrated you know I think as long as I can do that stuff and yeah I think I know I think I know what I need to do and for me I need to you know chat to someone or do something so you know we've been quite like we were talking about it off the pod but like I have enjoyed these kind of zoom quizzes I think everyone gets a bit fed up of them but they've been good like if I want to talk to friends you know I'll talk to friends I know it sounds daft but um I've done this like thing on we've done this like club on fifa this video game and obviously this makes me sound about 15 but um that's been really good because all my mates are stuck in lockdown you know somewhere across the country somewhere in different countries we like all go in this big video call and like you know act daft and play games and like that's been really good it's been really fun because it's not about playing video games it's about like catching up with my friends and that's been really important to me we've also my friend um my friend jordan every other sunday we've watched um, a studio ghibli film which is very entertaining i recommend and we just chat over the phone while we watch this film so i've i've learned what i need to do and i think for me it's i, I shouldn't mope about it you know I, I'm a proactive person, so if I want to do something, I'm, I'm going to do it. I decide that. I decide, you know, if I want to go for a run. And yeah, so sorry, that was a really long-winded way of uh, talking about that. But um, yeah, I'm good. And if you felt comfortable saying, Brady, what mental health issues or conditions, if any, do you live with and how do they affect you in your day-to-day life? I suppose day-to-day, I don't, if I'm being honest, I don't really live with um, any severe mental health conditions. There's been times in my life where I felt depressed, really depressed and down and just not not happy with myself i suppose i've never been diagnosed with it but i I had i certainly had the symptoms at one point in my life i think i've i've been stressed a lot i remember my um i get stressed quite easily i think everyone gets 
stressed. I remember my first my first job, um, I had a few panic attacks due to the stress. So I didn't have this particularly great boss and they'd stress me out and I wouldn't tell anyone, but I'd go to my car and I'd begin to hyperventilate and get stressed out just because what uh, the workload I'd been given was just crazy in, in a short time frame. I think that what's important to say is, you know, my perspective in talking to people, everyone gets stressed and it, it's normal to feel stressed in certain degrees I suppose that's more pressure like in your working day you get pressure but I think stress is when yeah you, you just know it's it's not reasonable or you the pressure to do it and you can't deal with it so I think day to day I don't really live with particular conditions but I think it's people will go through tough times and yeah you people go through tough times and you can suffer from all sorts like I say I've had panic attacks in the past um I've, I've felt really depressed and um, that's not that's not day to day you know that might come back it might not but I think it's important to be aware of it and, and talk about it and then you know growing up in a in a small town like Huddersfield I think people don't really I don't think people are aware of it as much or don't really talk about it as much which is why I think obviously Neil who's on the podcast and he does Andy's Man Club I think that's fantastic and you know Huddersfield is one of the most used um, groups you know it's one of the biggest groups in the country because I, I do think as a whole men do bottle up emotions and we don't we don't really talk about it or we find it again it's that toxic masculinity we find we feel like we shouldn't be talking about that or i shouldn't feel depressed or i shouldn't get panic attacks you know i'm a man well that's that's ridiculous you know everyone deals with stresses and as we've as i've kind of talked about on this like you have it's good to talk about it you talked a little bit there about sort of workplace stresses and anxieties what triggers do you think you have that affect your mental health brady or have you not figured all of them out yet I suppose I haven't figured them all out. I think I get, uh, this is tough to admit, but I get very frustrated when I feel things aren't aren't right. Um, so I've worked in, I'm quite an outspoken person and I feel if something's not not right, I feel like I'm not not afraid to, to talk about it, which I suppose you don't really want to admit <laughs> if you're in a job. But I think, yeah, it's a control thing. I think... Um, I think I get very defensive as well. Like it's not so much about my own work, but um, I've certainly worked in jobs before where I felt things weren't fair. That sounds like oh well, things aren't fair, but I feel like there's there's certain situations where people will, especially because you know I'm I'm young and you've got to kind of build your way up. But I, I think people take stuff out on you, and I don't think that's very fair. Certainly in places I've worked, you know, as part time jobs and full time jobs, there is a lot of bullying. Um, and people, you know, talk down to people, and I, 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 I don't like that, and that really triggers me. And there's been a couple of times where I've spoken out, and then uh, people kind of turn on me a bit, which is which is fine, you know. I'm I'm, I'm thick skinned enough; I can I can talk about it. But I think I get very stressed when I feel like situations aren't fair, and not just for myself, but for others. Yeah, there's been experiences at work where I think people have, you know, been bullying others, and. I don't like it and I'll speak up about it. And sometimes this can be management, but obviously some people can't like feel uncomfortable to talk about that. But I think that's when I get stressed and that's when I, you know, get stressed out. I I did have one boss who I did feel like was um, picking on me at times. And that's because I was expressing stuff that wasn't right and stuff that needed to improve because people's well-being was was suffering as a result and um i got picked on and that was really difficult um and i think that's when i get stressed you know i feel unfortunately because i kind of work in marketing before and i worked in copyright and i feel they're quite high pressure environments which is great because i i I love to be busy but i think there is the negative sides that come with that and um obviously like people who aren't in the industry 
might not really understand that. That's fair enough. Like uh, I've had to explain my job to people quite a lot or when I've worked in marketing, like I've had to explain what I do and some people just think, oh, well, you know, it's like Mad Men, you come up with creative ideas and that's fun. And yeah, there is that. And like, you know, I I like working in creative industries because I feel like I'm a creative person, but I do think there's negative negative sides to that i think yeah certainly in some previous places i work and there's been toxic environments to work in um and that, i suppose that's what triggers me when you know something's not right i feel very frustrated when i can't help solve it like i kind of said before i'm quite a talkative person i like to think people could come to me but i find it really frustrating when i know something's not right i want to help solve it not because like i want the praise or anything i just don't want to work in a place where people feel crap about themselves and you know i want to help solve it and when i can't i think that's when i find it frustrating and get worked up about it and all sorts i mean i've been called like a a whinger about it and you know a bit soft which is just like well people aren't people aren't happy you know and like people aren't happy in this place and we need to make it better but then then i'm a troublemaker so Toxic masculinity is something we try and break down a lot on this pod, Brady, as you can imagine. You know, what does toxic masculinity mean to you? And what examples of it have you experienced in your life that you can share with the listeners? Well, yeah, I think toxic masculinity, I think that's, in my experience, it's, um, it's been people who are older. That that sounds bad, like I'm making a sweeping statement. But I think, obviously, uh, our generation, Freddie, like we're a bit more, we have social media, we're a bit more open, we can talk about stuff like that. So I don't really find that in people our age, like 18 plus to like mid 20s, 30s. I feel like as a generation, we're a bit more understanding of that. I think toxic masculinity is, everyone's got faults, but I feel like toxic masculinity is like when you're not ready you're not willing to admit you have an issue or you're so concerned with being seen as this like oh I'm this masculine man I mean we were talking about it the other day but like you know um I saw something on Twitter about this guy saying oh we could never have these now and it was about um you know the Yorkie chocolate bar why I don't understand why you're so upset about um you know a chocolate bar because it said oh it's not for girls like are you that inconsistent insecure about your masculinity that you have to have a you know masculine chocolate bar like come on and i i just um yeah toxic masculinity for me is is awful and i think we need to get out but i think that's because people who display those traits of toxic masculinity they're not comfortable themselves and they can't really talk about how they feel and i don't think it's like oh we should ignore them but i think it's like trying to get them to understand like you don't have to be like this you can talk about how you feel or i think the people are seen as being soft if they talk about the feelings like i'm quite an emotional guy as i say i'm on here i'm willing to talk about things that probably people would be uncomfortable about but it doesn't make me less of a man for talking about my feelings you know and i think people need to get that there's certainly been experiences you know where i've worked before where you have to be super masculine and it's like well no i don't feel like i have to be super masculine one because i've never been super masculine anyway and two like who am i trying to who who am i trying to impress like who am i you know what am i trying to prove about myself you know i think you know i think that can be happening in football as well like not so much with players or anything but i think that kind of culture like oh we have to be super masculine we have to go to football we have to drink it's like you guys you just need to be more comfortable with yourselves and like it's okay to talk about how you feel and it's okay to be who you really are like who, who are you trying to impress we also talk a lot about positive masculinity on this pod as well brady how would you define positive masculinity and what qualities do you think a man should exude to be described as positively masculine i think just being comfortable with who you are i suppose i've kind of rambled on but like you know you don't have to like try to look hard to impress people you know like uh, for example like 
I'll go and order a you know really fruity cocktail. Like, what's wrong with that? I'm comfortable with who I am. I think positive mas- masculinity is being comfortable with who you are. Ultimately, for me, gender's a spectrum anyway, and I don't think there's a right or wrong. I suppose it's a, a tricky question. I don't really have the answer, but being positive is not being upset by s- silly things like you know you don't have to prove you're this manly man who you know you know is a lumberjack and splits wood or anything like that it's just being comfortable with who you are i think as well like the world's changing and um i want to be in a society that's that's equal being positive is like having equality for for everyone just on that brady why do you think it's important that we as men try and open up and normalize the conversation around mental health and secondly why do you think historically men have struggled to express how they're feeling about their mental health or feelings in general has has society taught us that it's not okay for us to show vulnerability or have we as men done it to ourselves that's an interesting question i think it's really important for men to talk about how they feel the stat that everyone's kind of aware of is you know suicide is the biggest killer of men under 45 and i suppose that goes back to my thing like you're not alone there's always someone to talk to it doesn't make you any less of a man for talking about how you feel it's important to talk about your feelings in my in my you know my experience you know talking about my dad and talking to people and talking to friends and talking to family and still talking about it now it it helps me talk about my emotions and i think it's really really important as not just as men but anyone but i suppose with men that we talk about our emotions it doesn't make you it doesn't make you soft you know it doesn't make it makes you human you know no one's this like super masculine man like again who who you're trying to impress and i think it, you you've got to talk about how you feel and it doesn't matter how you feel make you any less of a person and how we talk about things and you know being in situations or environments where we feel comfortable to talk about things is is really positive i mean i kind of go back to the andy andy's man club thing but i think that's brilliant because i think you know in my experience middle-aged men are the the people who find it really difficult to talk about their feelings because i think as a society like as a society going years back like you know stiff up a lip and you shouldn't talk about yourself and men are men and men are men and this is this is ridiculous everyone has problems what because you're because you're a man you know you can't talk about how you feel that's ridiculous if anything being able to talk about how you feel to me is more strong because you're not afraid of who you are and you're not afraid to to say how you feel and you're not afraid to express emotions i think people I suppose that sounds a bit strong, but it can be difficult to express emotions and feelings, but there's spaces and environments where you can do that. And I, it doesn't make you any less of a person. I, I think, you know, society, and I suppose we still have that now where, you know, people are afraid to talk how they feel, but it doesn't make you any less of a person. You know, I think culture has been wrong about that in the past, but I, I do genuinely feel that people are more supported to talk about mental health forever you'll still find people who are ignorant and have the belief that you know talking about mental health is you know makes you less of a person or less of a man but it's just ridiculous and i suppose if you talk to those people and really try to understand how they feel if they showed they were vulnerable i imagine they've got stuff that you know you can relate to and resonate with and i think i suppose stuff like this like it's it's difficult to talk about how you feel. I want to stress that. Like, it can be really uncomfortable to talk about how you feel and show your vulnerability and be emotional. But I think once you're comfortable with doing that and once you do that for the first time in a space where you feel that you can do that, I think it's like, for me, going back to my the grievance counselling thing, you know, there was just a bit where it clicked and I just felt like, huh, you know, I don't, obviously it's still a continuous thing, but I don't feel so bad about this anymore. Because I've I've not bottled it up. I've 
expressed and talked to someone about how I feel and they've offered me advice or you know you might not necessarily want advice you might just want someone to listen I think as men we need to do that more and I think as men we need to we need to call people out who like say oh we shouldn't talk about your feelings it's like no this is a safe space you can talk about what you want to I think in general as men we need to do better with that <laughs> I think in general as men we need to do better with a lot of things but yeah just just don't be don't be afraid it, it can be scary it can be daunting but you know everyone has emotions and I think if you talk to someone professional or not or they're certainly I mean there's so many places you can go to talk about how you feel I think that's what's really lucky about today you know there is plenty of places and plenty of advice lines and plenty of groups and plenty of support networks that you can go to that can really help and I think once you do that and again this is just my experience but once you talk to people you know talking about a problem if you express that problem you're already there like you've already you know admitted it's a problem and and talked about it and you know you might not get the solution straight away but you'll feel a lot better and you're starting a journey where you can express how you feel and become better Well, I think that's all we've got time for on this episode of the Just Checking In podcast. I want to say a big thank you to Brady for being my special guest on this episode's pod. As always, thank you to all the vendors who've tuned in. If you've liked what you've heard, please give this a share on all the usual social media channels. Tell your friends or work colleagues about it. Or if you're feeling very, very generous, write us a review on iTunes. We hope to check in with you again very soon. And remember, it's always okay to vent.